Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Theme music brought to you by Renaissance Music Records from Seti P. This is Soul Kick. Check out their music at itstherenaissance.com. Thanks for supporting the show with theme music. All right, y'all, it's Thursday. Got a lot to talk about. The Steelers are being impacted by the coronavirus. I'll explain what's actually happened, try to calm down some of the hysteria on that and what it actually means moving forward. After that, it's apparent that a lot of people feel like the Steelers should address the quarterback position. I'm going to go over if they should do that, how they would do that this season, and where they should actually really take a look at the quarterback position in this upcoming NFL draft. And finally, it's Throwback Thursday, looking back at an old beatdown of the Baltimore Ravens. Let's get into it. All right, y'all, Thursday, we got one more day to go. One more day, and then it's Friday. So hopefully all of you out there are having a good week and uh, making sure you're drinking lots of water out there, staying hydrated. It's very important to stay healthy out here. Speaking of health, everyone, of course, is probably concerned about the coronavirus. Now, just as a host of the show, I think it's, you know, it's, it's important for me to say, I hope you're taking this seriously. You know, it's, you know, don't panic. Don't do anything crazy, but definitely just make sure you're, you're taking, you're advising, uh, you're at least paying attention to the public advisories, you know, making sure you're taking precautions uh, to be to be healthy in your life, wash your hands, you know, as much as possible uh, when it comes to, you know, when you're in the bathroom and when you're, you might have touched something that may not be the healthiest in the world, make sure you're touching his face as little as possible, things like that. Uh, just be mindful of, you know, who you're touching and what, what you're touching and uh, and, and just protect yourself out there. This coronavirus thing is impacting a lot of stuff. And it's crazy, right? Because, you know, just this this past, literally yesterday, it was insane. It seemed like it was just dominoes falling. First, March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament announced that they would not be taking fans at any of their games. No spectators, which is crazy because March Madness, outside of the Super Bowl and the NFL playoffs, I think is the biggest tournament in American sports. When you think about the hysteria, the the craziness, the stuff that happens, the unpredictability, and how everyone, almost everybody you know, if they're in sports, they do a March Madness bracket, or they at least nobody saw somebody who does. It's crazy. Then after that, you saw NHL teams starting to suspend fans from going to their games. The Columbus Blue Jackets are going to play the Penguins tonight, and they're not going to have any fans there. The San Jose Sarks, they made a similar move, saying no fans are going to come to those games. And they're not doing this to protect the players, per se. They're doing this to protect the fans. But measures have already been taken to to, to protect players. We know that the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't allowing any reporters in their locker room because they're afraid that someone might get exposed to something. Um, But then the NBA started to take, take drastic measures themselves. They announced that they're going to be suspending the season until further notice. Take games that were scheduled for tonight. We had, I think, it was the uh, Rockets and the Jazz. One of the Jazz players came down with the coronavirus, and they stopped it. They, there was no explanation at first, but then it came out. One of the players tested positive for coronavirus, and they did not want to expose anyone else to the virus. Um, so, you know, if you if you don't know, I'm not going to get into all the details of the coronavirus. It's not what this show's about. If you if you really want to know, I suggest you go listen to other shows like the Daily from NPR. They do or not NPR. I'm sorry, the, the New York Times. There's plenty of uh, informative podcasts out there that are telling you about what the coronavirus is and how it's impacting you and, and what you should do uh, to help protect yourself against it. 
and uh, all the dangers it does present. But what I'm going to talk about is how it's now impacting the Steelers because this is impacting sports, and I get live sports. I get because it's a it's a virus. It's you know it, it's easily contaminating people, um, and it's easily transferable. So what does that mean? You know, you know, for a, a league that doesn't have any live games right now. Well, it still means that if they want to travel around the country, they're going to have to take precautions. And the Steelers are doing that right now. So this all spark started with Oklahoma having its pro day yesterday. That's Wednesday. Uh, they had a pro day, and it was noted that the Steelers were among a couple teams that didn't have any scouts or coaches or staff members there. And... There was speculation thrown out there, like, you know, wait, wait a second. Pittsburgh was supposed to be there. They were scheduled to be there. And they, and that that's definitely one that they, they wanted to be at. So does that mean that the, the Steelers aren't going anywhere? Are they are they spending all pro days participations until the coronavirus calms down? Um, well, that's not the case. It came out. Um, there were a lot of people, different people that were, that were talking about it. But um, Brooke Pryor of ESPN tweeted out that the Steelers have confirmed they're only temporarily altering some of their pro day travel plans because of the coronavirus. That means the team will continue to be represented at workouts, but is asking their traveling staff to take precautions like limiting commercial flights and following CDC guidelines. That's the center for disease control on hand on hand washing. Um, now this is uh this 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 is this is important because the Steelers they're still going to be attending pro days. You got to understand the Steelers have a large staff of scouts. They have a, they have a, they have group people all across the country that are already positioned in certain places um, that are going to be able to get to these other schools and be up close. But this means that people like Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, Keith Butler, Randy Feetner, the coaches that are in Pittsburgh, that are based in Pittsburgh, and they're the ones that are off that that have a, a voice in the war room when they're when they're deciding which players they want to pick in this upcoming NFL draft or, or how they want to shape their draft board. Um, that those guys are going to be limited in how they travel. Now it doesn't mean they're not going to travel. It just means that they're going to fly one either through private flights owned by the Steelers so that they're not being exposed to commercial flights where they're interacting with people or sitting in seats that may have been contaminated by someone who had the coronavirus or, uh, you know, airports right now are one of the main places where people can be contaminated because that's just where, you know, a lot of people come into contact with each other. Um, and the other way that they can travel is, of course, by car. So, this means that moving forward, the Steelers are you know are, are going to have to change how they attend things. Now, it's already been said. Mike Mark Caboli of the Athletic has stated the Steelers already do plan to attend Clemson's pro day, which is today. So again, it doesn't mean that the Steelers aren't going to go to these pro days. It just means that they're going to uh, be smarter with how they handle it. This is a real situation. Uh, the, the the coronavirus it may it, even if it doesn't impact you specifically it could impact someone that you contaminate if you get it and you know it doesn't really impact you um, or it doesn't impact you that that hard but the thing is is right now world health officials are are looking at this situation uh, the, the the officials from the center of disease control and the Steelers they have they know plenty of good doctors themselves with UPMC as they partner with them. Um, all sorts of health officials are just saying there are smart ways to protect yourself and to protect others by just taking on simple practices that will be minor inconveniences now but could help curtail 
the advancement of this virus as it spreads throughout the world. Um, you know, mainly the United States right now, they are not one of the more impacted countries like Italy or China, but these are just precautions being taken. And we're seeing the, how, how crazy it is right now because there's, you know, there was a report of an XFL team, uh, I think the Seattle Dragons, it wasn't someone on their team it was a it was a stadium worker that got in that got infected and so then you know there had to be all these precautions taken about who they had they they had impacted so um lots of things happening here but just know if you're seeing any hysteria about the Steelers with this coronavirus stuff it's not that they're not going to miss pro days or not be scouting players it's not going to change any of that it just means they're going to operate smarter to protect themselves this is what the Steelers do they are well organized they're prepared for, for they have protocols in place to help handle certain situations um, they're not going to be one of those teams that kind of just you know loses it or does something drastic that that alters their entire uh, plan and how they might even you know operate this off season. So don't be worried if you're thinking, oh, this might disrupt the, how they're going to re find reinforcements this season. It's not. They already have something in place. They're taking care of it. So just wanted to get that out the way. Gonna take a quick break. Then we're gonna talk about the quarterback position because that's some something that a lot of people have asked me about with, with the draft. So I'm gonna take a look at some of the guys right next. All right, we're back. Let's get back into the show. I want to take a little bit here to talk about the quarterback situation with the upcoming NFL draft because reasonably so, a lot of Steelers fans are concerned about how they're going to handle the quarterback position moving forward. Now, the Steelers have come out and said that they are comfortable with where they are at quarterback. They know they have Mason Rudolph, Devlin Hodges, Paxton Lynch, and JT Barrett already on the roster heading into training camp. So that's a lot of young names, as you can tell. Um, but a lot of unsolidified names. No one has really proven themselves to say, hey, they could take the reins for a little bit and uh, you know keep keep everyone above water and let other people make big, big plays and carry them to wins. Mason Rudolph struggled this past year. We've we've gone we've talked a lot about that. Uh, Devin Hodges struggled a lot this past year. We've also talked a lot about that. And uh, it's reasonable to expect that there go there's going to be some sort of change in the quarterback room moving forward. Um, so some people have been looking at the draft. Now, there's obvious the people that aren't going to be available. Of course, Joe Burrow is supposed to be going first overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, where he'll go. I mean, he's going top five, maybe top. You know, top ten, maybe top five. Uh, I expect top five. Um, even though he, you know, the quarterback out of Alabama. Uh, even though he's, uh, you know, he's injured and it was a really rough injury and it was the second year in a row being injured. Uh, I, I think that his talents are just going to be not ignored uh, by, by teams that are desperate for a quarterback. Then there's Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. Justin Herbert, the six foot six Oregon quarterback, you know, out of the Pac-12, uh, really candid of an arm, big prototypical build for the quarterback position. Um, but, you know, at times didn't look all the way consistent. But he, again, he's going to be gone. None of these guys... Don't even expect them to come near the Steelers. And the last of which is Jordan Love. Uh, Jordan Love now is a guy that if you like, if you go to the Draft Network, you'll see he's ranked 37th among all prospects. Uh, but he's a Utah State starter, six foot four, two twenty three, has athleticism to him, um, has a decent arm. But uh, I think teams that are going are going to look at him and think, you know what, he, you know, we need a quarterback. We're going to take him in the first round. I think all four of these guys get picked in the first round, and if not the first round. Uh, Jordan Love will just get picked 
uh, very early in the second round. Um, but this, the quarterbacks that the Steelers could look at start right after that. And uh, there are three that pop on my radar that would be legitimate takes in the middle rounds. Now, uh, as I talked about yesterday on the show, you know that the Steelers, they have the 49th overall pick. They got the 102nd pick as a compensatory pick, and they have two fourth-rounders. So that gives them a few picks to play around with. Um, but ultimately, these are guys that I, I expect, these three players right here, these three quarterbacks, I expect them to be around maybe for that compensatory pick in the third round. So if the Steelers want to address the quarterback position, this is the time to address it. Now, um, I spoke on an, on, on an earlier show with one of the uh, Mock Draft Mondays. You know, if they took a, a flyer in the seventh round, that would be fine. And, you know, one of the flyers would be Cole McDonald because he ran the fastest 40-yard dash time. And he had some interesting plays here and there, but he was erratic for his th- for most of his throwing. That You know, a guy like that, you're just hoping that he turns into a backup or a third-string third a th- a, a third quarterback that, that you can eventually just call on in emergency situations. But... If you want to take a real look at the quarterback position, here are the three players that you should consider. First of all, Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts. Now, you all, know, you all should know Jalen Hurts. He played for Alabama for quite some time, won a national championship with them. Then he uh, uh, he got benched for two attack of Iloa in an international championship game. And then uh, it, it, the very next season, he stuck with Al- Alabama and he backed up. To a to a tag, tag of Iloa in the SEC champion in the SEC championship game, and uh, you know came in and saved them against Georgia. I think it was twelve. That was twenty eighteen when he did that, and then Tua Tagovailoa came back in and uh, uh, pl- you know played the rest of the way. And so Hertz transferred over to Oklahoma, where he had a, a very good season, uh, had a high completion percentage, looked looked extremely athletic, and in the Big Twelve he soared. Um, but a lot of people are really skeptical about Jalen Hurts. They don't like his throwing motion. They don't like how inconsistent he can be with his reads, but there's times where he does make very good reads. They also look at how athletic he is, and some people feel like, yeah, maybe he he, he might be served playing in another position that allows for that mo- mobility to uh, be featured a little more prominently, and I'm just sitting here thinking, have we not learned our lesson with Lamar Jackson? Like, come on, stop thinking that a guy can be limited for that area now if if his arm stinks fine that's fine it's just but but say that don't say that his mobility is a liability it's just not um but i i personally like jalen hurts now i don't like jalen hurts enough for the steelers to take him in the second round i feel like that should be a uh a a position where you see a prime player that could contribute this year or very soon um, so that includes running back. If uh, the right safety falls to them, take that. Um, if 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 one of those top offensive linemen that uh, that we that we see a lot of they, they a lot of times they don't make that part of mock drafts where the Steelers can take them. If if that if one of those top offensive linemen get to them, that's the position. But um, but it, 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 it that that's why I just think that that has to be there because when you have the 49th pick you're at the back end of the of the top 50 picks you want to make sure you get yourself at least one of those top 50 players and i don't think jalen hurts is that right now um but if he lasts until that that compensatory pick in the third round that would be ideal that would be right where you want to take him now 
I don't think he does. I think that someone is tries to. Um, I, I think someone tries to capitalize on his athleticism. You see a lot of people talking about Taysom Hill lately, the 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 running quarterback for the Saints that you know is being used as a gimmick here and there. I think someone's going to try and find a way to make Hurts uh, a viable part of their offense. Um, after him, qu- quarterback at Georgia, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm's an interesting guy. I really liked him his freshman year. He looked like he was in command, but since then he has just been so erratic. And I guess that happens, but man. Um, but Jake Fromm, decent arm. You know, no one that's going to, uh, you know, he's not a guy that's going to blow you out of the water. Um, uh, but you know, but he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he's a guy, he takes it easy. He doesn't throw erratically. He takes, you know, he takes the smart check downs a lot, sometimes a little too much, but, um, he's good enough that he, I, I think that he would find a way to be effective in the NFL, at least as a backup. Um, and, uh, you know, another thing I think that one thing is when I've seen him operate in the pocket, he doesn't like lose his mind as soon as pressure gets to him. He kind of keeps his composure, finds ways to survive, and um, uh, and you know, this guy and all all around. I think Jake Fromm is a is a good collegiate quarterback, but I don't see him as the Steelers' answer at quarterback. Now, Jacob Jacob Eason, that's the last of these type of candidates from Washington. Uh, also, Fromm is projected as the 82nd uh, best prospect. Jacob Eason projected as the 92nd, while Jalen Hurts is considered the 77th. So, that just to give you an idea of where they could be drafted, we're talking about the uh, the 102nd overall pick. Um, now, a lot of these can, these numbers can be way wrong. These are just the draft network's numbers that I that I was reading off. Um, a lot of these numbers could be off. You know, people swore up and down that Terrell Edmonds wouldn't get accepted in the first round, and then then the Steelers picked him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I look at this situation. I, I think again, if they get to that third compensatory pick and Hurts is around, go get him. I think that's that's fair game. And and to be honest, Mason Rudolph really didn't earn the uh, the respect to avoid. The problems, you know, the, or to avoid drafting another quarterback. He, you know, he didn't, you know, he struggled throughout the year. Uh, the defense was great. And it still really didn't help him. Um, and I, I think he's, he still deserves a chance, Mason Rudolph, that is, to prove himself. But I'm just, uh, um, I wouldn't mind seeing the Steelers dip into the quarterback position to say, hey, we're going to provide you some camp competition. If you can't beat this guy out, he's going to get the job. If you beat this guy out, great. And that's a victory under Mason Rudolph's belt. And that means that maybe he can use that as confidence moving forward. Um, but, I, you know, I just I look at the, those three right there. Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, Jake Fromm from Georgia, and Jacob Eason from Washington. Those three guys right there, I think – could be on the Steelers' target list because while they're telling everyone they're not worried about the quarterback position, they're not actually looking at it, don't believe anything that says they're looking at it, that could easily be a smokescreen, and then they come back, and then the, the, with that competitor pick, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we picked this guy. So um, I can give more detailed descriptions on guys. One thing I'm going to start to do, 
and uh, I'm going to start a poll. I'm going to do these polls each week, and I'm going to do an in-depth dive because one thing I do on you know for the draft every year is I look at players really deeply. I look at their film. I look at you know examples of what's their strengths and what are their weaknesses. I want to create a poll, and it's and it's not going to be a poll that I create that that I necessarily I'm going to start the post, but the poll I want to be all of your votes. I want you to pick a player that. Uh, and this is to the Locked On listeners in our Facebook group. You can join the Facebook group by searching Locked On Steelers into the Facebook search bar. I'll add you as soon as I can. But I want you guys to pull together and do a poll and see if you can find which... Give me a player, a specific player you want me to do an in-depth breakdown on, on their film, what I see, what I think. Um, and I think that would be a fun way for me to do some deep dives on specific players. Because I've been do- I can do position groups. And in fact, I uh, wrote a position group, uh, Carter's Classroom for DKPittsburghSports.com, just uh, just yesterday. And it was all the offensive line and which players I like, which players I don't like, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, uh, so, yeah, so yeah, definitely check that out on DKPittsburghSports.com with my Carter's Classroom. But what I want to start right now for you guys uh, I'm going to put up a poll on the Facebook group. Again, join the Facebook group at any point in time by searching Locked on Steelers. And uh, I'm not going to suggest it. I might have to suggest something because that's how the polls work. But uh, I want you all to, to pick a player. And whoever has the most votes going into, uh, I think I'll do these on Wednesday. I think that'll be fair. Whoever has the most votes going into the going into that Wednesday next week, uh, that'll be the player that I do a film a deeper film breakdown on to give you an assessment of where their strengths there are, their weaknesses are, and any stories that might be coming from them that you don't know. So there is that as well. Um, all right, but yeah, so we're nearing the end of the show, which means it's time to do throw, Throwback Thursday. We'll get into that after the break. Uh, I know we've been talking about the coronavirus. And we've been talking about um, you know everything else that's going on. We're going to have fun here talking about a, t- a night where the Steelers played the Ravens and all the Steelers fans were happy and nobody was stressed out because it was such a fun one to watch. Stay right here. Okay, so we've been doing a show, talked about the coronavirus, talked about, you know, the future without Ben Roethlisberger, all these things, not happy things to talk about, you know, just like Steelers fans, well, geez, Chris, just, just, just destroy my Friday, you know, I, I, I'm not even here yet, I'm just a Thursday, I'm, you know what, my weekend's gonna stink because you made it stink, well, okay, I'm gonna change all that right here, because it's Throwback Thursday, and Throwback Thursday, as always, we like to go look back to some of the better times with the Steelers, um, yeah, in the future, when they have, when they do have better times, they're still gonna be looking back. But you know, look at back some of the great times. It's the greatest organization in the history of the NFL, and uh, I think that this is uh, this is this is always fun to do. So we're gonna go back, not too far, going back to 2007, and it was November 5th. Uh, a a a a nice it was it, it was a nice night, November 5th, uh, a a Monday night football game where the Steelers took on the Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers were at, H- were at Heinz Field. They were wearing these throwback jerseys. It was their uh, their new throwback third jersey that they debuted this year. They kind of it kind of looked really similar to the Color Rush jerseys, gold golden uh golden uh letters on their for their names, gold numbers, uh yellow helmets, white pants. Um 
and they were at the time they were five and two, and they were hosting the Baltimore Ravens, who were four and three. Huge AFC North showdown, and and not just for that, but also because two years before this, the Steelers won Super Bowl forty, and then in two thousand six they went eight and eight under Bill Cowher, and uh, they got swept embarrassingly by the Baltimore Ravens. If you don't remember those games, uh, just remember that in November of that season. They got shut out 27 to nothing by the Ravens. And then on Christmas Eve, they received a thorough beatdown from, from the Ravens, 31 to 7. And I remember towards the end of the game when Baltimore's running out the clock, uh, Jamal Lewis is going up the sideline. Joey Porter tries to make a tackle, and then you know he, he pushes him out of bounds. Then after the play's over, Jamal Lewis kind of hits Joey Porter with a punch to the head. And uh, it was kind of just like a. Uh, you know, it was, kind of, it was kind of just a statement, and the Ravens got away with it. There were no flags were called. The Steelers were upset. They were painted as whiners. It was uh, it was not a happy way to end 2006, and a very sour way to sour taste in, in the, to be left in their mouths um, after you know a big Super Bowl season. And uh, you know, and then Joey Porter ended up leaving the team. Lots of questions was, came after that. Well, the Steelers started off hot. They were five and two in two thousand in two thousand seven. It was Mike Mike Tomlin's first year as head coach. Ben Roethlisberger had a new offensive coordinator, Bruce Arians. He was starting to figure things out, um, and the defense was also starting to figure things out. They had a few big players in there. They had Lawrence Timmons, who was a rookie at the time, um, sort of rotating in, playing a little bit on special teams. But the guy who was starting to take over that we would definitely know after this game was James Harrison. Now James Harrison made his mark on, on the league because he he made his mark for the Steelers because uh, he he made some special teams plays over the over the past couple of years before this. But then I think it was 2006 when Joey Porter went down to an injury, and then uh, James Harrison replaced him and looked really good. And the Steelers were like, you know what? We don't have to pay Joey Porter a whole lot of money because this guy's gonna be great. And was James Harrison great? And it all started with this game. So let's get into the game because it was a really fun one and. It started off early on, first quarter. Uh, Ravens have the ball, and uh, um, and and this Steve McNair. This is the Steve McNair era uh, era for the Ravens. They are a uh, they, you know they they Steve McNair. He was he he was a tough guy for the Steelers to deal with at times. He he, he used to play for the Houston Houston or sorry the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think they. I think he did play where they were like the Tennessee Oilers, when, like for that brief era where they were that. But I mean, he used to give the Steelers fits. He, he was a, a real problem for them. Well, not on this night. Game opens out. We're like we're like right around the ten minute mark. Troy Polamalu comes in, get it. It's a big tackle for loss. But then the craziness starts right around the nine minute mark. James Harrison. After a while, gets gets into the backfield, chases Steve McNair around, then eventually gets him, knocks the ball loose, it bounces around for a while, and and he picks up his own fumble to, to cause a recovery. Hinesville goes nuts, and every everyone's happy. And the Steelers offense got right to it. Ben Roethlisberger, in what was really at the time. It was one of those defining Ben Roethlisberger moments, and it, like not like this one would be more defining than any others. But this was it, his first touchdown pass was on a play that was just stereotypical Ben Roethlisberger because he gets under pressure, he dodges, he ducks, he dips, he dives, and he dodges again. Gets outside the pocket, lo locates Heath Miller in the end zone, and launches 
a 17-yard touchdown pass. It's a it's a catch. It's a touchdown. Heinz Field is going nuts, and uh, it's it's a huge start to the game around the seven seven and a half minute mark. The Steelers are up seven to nothing. Um, and, and again, this was coming off the the eight and eight season where Ben Roethlisberger had that had that uh, motorcycle accident injury, and then he didn't look good during the season. The Steelers didn't look good during that season. They were trying to find their identity, and under Mike Tomlin, this was becoming a statement game. Now, then, after that, some back and forth. The Steelers don't do anything with the ball, and the um, the Ravens don't do anything with, the, with their next possession. Then the Steelers get the ball back, and with about three forty two left in the first quarter, they punt the ball, and um, uh, that back this is back when they had Daniel Sepulveda at, at, at the punter position. But he play, play, they punt it, it bounces around, and Ed Reed, who at the time, this is really in Ed Reed's prime because this is right when he was he was uh, he he, had, he was basically an established superstar at the free safety position, and so much so that the Ravens knew he was a dangerous return man. So he was returning punts back then. Well, he picks up this ball, he runs across the field, he's trying to he. He's running east and west and west and not north and south, and that's something that all coaches like. You know, whenever if you're ever sitting next to a coach and they're and they have the uh, they're so invested into a game that they're commenting on it, they'll often say, "Stop, run north and south, don't run east and west," which means you know, run, run, run forward, not sideways. Well, Ed Reed was running sideways, trying to dodge people, and then James Harrison on special teams, special teams, excuse me, uh, on special teams lights him up puts his helmet right on the football and just drops Ed Reed and the ball goes flying into the air and who's under it up but Lawrence Timmons who's playing special teams at the time on this part return he catches it with his toes inbounds kind of like he's a receiver got the ball and this and the crowd's going nuts in Heinz Field everyone's excited and they they do the they, they do the replay they show that that uh, James Harrison did indeed force the fumble before before Ed, Ed Reed was down and the Steelers again go right to it. Just a just a couple minutes later, Ben Roethlisberger again in you know around the set, the 17 yard mark. This time he throws a strike down 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 the field. It's Ben Roethlisberger hitting Santonio Holmes for a touchdown, beating Ed Reed who was playing the, that center safety role. He hits him over the middle. It's a touchdown. Willie Parker picking up. The uh, the block of on Ray Lewis to uh, to 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 give Ben Roethlisberger time in the pocket to make this throw and makes it fourteen nothing and and this was something that I that always stuck with me uh, was not just this game but when you there were so many times during this part of the Steelers and Ravens rivalry where Ben Roethlisberger would target the middle of the field he would throw right near Ed Reed he was not scared to target him to to go after him he would he he was he would he would torch Ed Reed at times with the way that he would fire the ball in and uh and this was always one of my cases when people said oh Ed Reed no one no one ever beat Ed Reed and I'm like well <laughs> uh Ben Roethlisberger used to have his number um and uh so 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 yeah so now the game's now 14 to nothing but before we can even get to the end of the first quarter the Ravens ensuing possession. Willis McGahee, a very good running back out of the University of Miami. Um, Willis McGahee running with the football. He tries to dodge some guys in the hole, but who else but Troy Polamalu gets his hand literally on the football, punches it out. Steelers recover. It's their ball going into the second quarter. They're up 14. It looks like everything is going their way. We head to the second quarter, and it just continues. Ben Roethlisberger again 
on the move, just running around, throws up throws up a bomb. It's a 30-yard touchdown pass to Nate Washington to put them up 21-0. It was another one of those plays where he got flushed out of the pocket. He was on the run, and Washington's all by himself. He's wide open. It's an easy touchdown. The Steelers are dominating. They get the ball back again. Uh, again. Then there's some time passes around the six-minute mark approximately. And who else but Santonio Holmes down the sideline. Ben Roethlisberger sees it. He's got single coverage there. He throws it. It's And, and uh, Santonio Holmes just gets just a single step on his man. He catches it. It's a 35-yard touchdown pass. Ben Roethlisberger has four touchdowns, and we're not we're not even in into the se- into the second half yet. It's 28-0 Steelers. The the route is on. And then four minutes to go, the ensuing possession. Steve McNair trying to figure something out the way that he normally does. Looking for a crossing pattern, but James Harrison faked the blitz, dropped back, read the slant cut it off, intercepted it, he starts to running back. James Harrison having what was probably his best career night as a Pittsburgh Steeler. He was on fire and announcing to the world, hey, I'm James Harrison and I'm a bad man. Um, so he, he gets on he gets on a roll. Then just after the two minute warning in the in the uh, in the in the first half, Ben Roethlisberger, play action, rolls right. It's a quick out. Nate Washington, touchdown, five touchdown passes. The Steelers are up 30 Five to nothing. He became the second quarterback in NFL history uh, to throw five touchdown passes in a single half of football. The only other being Tom Brady at the time. Now, since then, of course, there's been several players that have done it, but at the time it was very significant, and still it really was significant. It was also Ben Roethlisberger's first ever five touchdown pass game. He had quite. He's had a few of those now. Uh, when you look over his career, in fact, a few against the Ravens, he had a six touchdown pass game against them i think that was 2016 um but uh but yeah again i'm you know talking talking about this game ben roethlisberger was in fuego he was just it seemed like he could do no wrong and uh i'm sitting i'm sitting here i remember this was my this was my freshman year of college right and um so i'm, I'm sitting there you know i was at chain university i was in a freshman dorm and you know, and, and it was it was an interesting year because I'm in Eagles territory for the first time, and I'm experiencing other fans that are like living right next to me and right across from me, and everyone has all their different teams, and um, uh, it was because I was in the marching band at Chain University. I had a lot of late nights, like I would study real late, and then you know practice would often go until like 9 p.m. in the evening, and then I made study and roar. So like I was really worried that I was gonna have to miss this game because it was Monday night football, and we often had practices late on Mondays, but I was so happy to see this game, and I remember the the the, Q, the Q's, the Omega Psi Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, they were grilling in our, in our uh, they were grilling outside our, our dorm that night in uh, Yarnell Hall at Chain University, and I remember they were making these really good burgers, and oh man, I just, I bought two of them burgers, I got some cheese, some ketchup, some mustard, and they had these fries, I saw, I bought two of them, I got a Coke, from the venom machine and i sat down and i watched this game and i just remember enjoying all 
every minute of this beatdown because I all I could think about was when Jamal Lewis just punched Joey Porter the year before and just the embarrassment that the Steelers had with that. And I'm just thinking like, man, this is so great. And this this really was just shaping up to be the perfect the perfect response, the perfect antithesis, the perfect the perfect beatdown to avenge those years and for Mike Tomlin to establish this is what it's going to be like when you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens. This is also the year before John Harbaugh took over. But I, uh, getting back to the game, and so I'm sitting there again, eating my burgers, and everything's great. And then the the the, the Ravens do get a touchdown. Willis McGahee makes Anthony Smith miss, and uh, you know runs in for a decent touchdown. It's 35 to seven. But then just and that's a, that's like with like a minute 40 left or so. And you know it's kind of it, you know the game's still kind of over at this point. You know it, it'd be a, a ridiculous comeback if the Ravens did it. But the Steelers get the ball back, and they're kind of content to just take the ball into halftime. But you know who wasn't just content with just going into halftime? Heinz Ward. In one of the more legendary hits in the history of this rivalry, in a rivalry with lots of legendary hits, you got, you got Willis McGahee getting taken out by Ryan McClark. You got Ray Lewis uh, injuring Rent Richard Mendenhall for the season. You got Lima Sweet crushing Corey Ivey. Yeah, you have so many big plays over the years. Um where there's lots of there's lots of amazing moments and this was one of the most iconic that Steelers fans if you if you were if you watched this game you remember this hit with about a minute to go Heinz Ward on a run play lines up Ed Reed who's coming down to try and make a play on the run against the run and Heinz Ward mano a mano chest to chest just gets his head right on right into Ed Reed's chest and just lifts him with this just destructive hit. I mean, it was it was crushing. I remember seeing it live on television and being like, "Oh my goodness!" And then, and you only got to see a piece of it. But when you saw the replay and ESPN doing their Monday Night Football broadcast, they just they they showed the replay right before the commercial break after it happened because Ed Reed was injured, and then you could see Heinz Ward just just give it to him, just put Ed Reed on his back, and as soon as Heinz Ward, like, the play's still going on, the run, the runners are still moving, people are, other people are trying to tackle, Heinz Ward sort of stands over him, looks to the sideline, and points down at him as if, get your boy, come, someone get a trainer to come out of and then he goes to block somebody else, he looks for somebody else to block, it's just, it was crazy, it was Heinz Ward incarnate, and it was just that defining moment, and then you see Ed Reed getting, like, carried to the sideline, he's, like, you know, being helped, because he's still woozy, it was the layeth, the smacketh of down. It was destruction. It was, he got jacked up back when that used to be a thing for ESPN. My goodness, it, it, it is one of the best hits I have ever seen. And it was a block from Heinz Ward. Uh, one of those one of those plays that Heinz Ward, it won't ever show up on a highlight reel, but it's one that Steelers fans, if you, were, if you saw it, you remembered that hit. And that, that was sort of the exclamation point on the uh, on on the on the on the performance because after that they went to the second half. Um, ben Roethlisberger came out, was moving the football, even hit San Antonio Holmes on a 44-yard bomb, got him into the red zone. But then on that play, Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt. He comes off, and the Steelers they're like, "Hey, you know what? We got you, man. We'll take it the rest of the way." Jeff Reed would hit a field goal, and that would be it. The Steelers would go on to win. 38 to 7. There'd be some more, you know, plays on by the defense. James Harris would get a sack. Travis Kershaw would get a sack. But the finishing stats for the game, 38 to 7, it, it really set the Steelers up because they would go on to win the division this year in Mike Tomlin's first year. It'd be 6 and 2. The Bravens would be 4 and 3 after the game. Um, and the Steelers would just extend their lead as the as the season went on. 
um, and, and clinching it so that they could rest their players in the in the uh, in week 17 when they played the Ravens again. Uh, but Ben Roethlisberger finished the game 13 of 16 for 209 yards and five touchdowns. That's a perfect pass rating of 158.3. It was he was spectacular. Didn't have to throw the lot he a ball a lot. He was just efficient. San Antonio Holmes. Four catches, 110 yards, two touchdowns, and this was this was sort of a game that I thought that that over the, over the next few years, because Antonio Holmes he really only had what like five years with the Steelers. He was a Ravens killer. If you if, if you remember, because this year he had this game. Then the next year in 2008, he would not only not only. Would he have the game-winning touchdown in Baltimore in a, in a in a really important late season game that helped them clinch the division that helped them clinch the division in the long run? But then he would kill them with a catch and run in the AFC Championship game that would help send them the Steelers to the Super Bowl that year. I mean, he was a Ravens killer. But also on the night, Nate Washington, three catches, 51 yards, two touchdowns. Hines Ward. Four catches, 28 yards, no touchdown. That's not spectacular, but utterly destroying Ed Reed. Huge. Heath Miller, two catches, 17 yards, and a touchdown. But the biggest player of the night outside of Ben Roethlisberger, which is crazy to think because he threw five touchdowns, James Harrison, 10 tackles, three and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, and an interception. The man was part of four turnover, turnover plays, three and a half sacks. It was ridiculous, ridiculous. And the Steelers laid the smackdown. On the Ravens, they would lose the the uh, the rematch that year when they started Charlie Batch, and they really rested most of their players that game. But it was it was the start of a, of several years of domination of the Ravens. If you don't know, if you if you go back and you look at the the Steelers Ravens rivalry, it's it's pretty even when you look at the total numbers and and, and who won and who lost. But from 2007 to 2010, the Steelers never lost to the Ravens when Ben Roethlisberger was starting at quarterback. In 2007, they uh, they smoked him this game. Ben didn't play the second game. In 2008, they won all. They swept them. They gave him a super sweep of all three games. Um, in 2009, Ben didn't play one game. They lost that one. But then when Ben did play, they won the second one. And then in 2010, uh, Ben didn't play in the Week 4 matchup. Charlie Batch almost beat Joe Flacco and the Ravens. But then in the in the rematch later, Ben came back through that game-winning touchdown pass that already broke down um, to Isaac Redman uh, later later that season. And then they met again in the playoffs when Ben Roethlisberger would beat him again. In that stretch of time between 2007 and 2010, that's 1, 2, 3, 4, Five, six, seven. That was he was Ben Roethlisberger seven and zero against the Baltimore Ravens. That was pure domination, and that that was a reason for the rivalry, right? Because you know, as much as the Ravens talk trash, that was defining. Now they would the, the Ravens would storm back. They'd sweep the Steelers in two thousand eleven, and, and really start to own the the rivalry for the next two years after that, or two or three years after that. But then in two thousand fourteen, the Steelers would would storm back, but. That was this. This game started all of that. It kicked off everything. Bill Cowers last year um, against the Ravens was just kind of embarrassing. Mike Tomlin flipped all of that around with such a dominating performance. So that's why I wanted to do that for Throwback Thursday. I thought it was a fun one. It was one of those. It, it's it's funny as a Steelers fan, you don't get a whole lot of games where you sit back and you're like, ha ha ha, this is a great game to watch because I don't have to stress out. Almost every game's stressful when you're a Steelers fan. There's very rare times they give you just a, a nice laugher to just enjoy all night. Um, but this was one of those moments. So, do, do you remember this game? Do you remember sitting around Monday Night Football? Were you a kid? Were you in college? Were you an adult? You know what? Were, do you remember what? You know what did you think about this game? What did you remember about this game? It was a fun one for me. 
journey. Do you remember that Heinz Ward hit? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Carter Critiques. Hit me up. Uh, hit us up in the in the Facebook group. You can talk with other Steelers fans and loyal Locked On listeners. There's hundreds of us in the Facebook group. Just go to Facebook, search Locked On Steelers. You can add your uh, your stories uh, remembering this game or just your favorite points. You can even go up, go to YouTube right now and look up that Heinz Ward hit on Ed Reed. It is just spectacular to go back and watch. But um, do that. You can have fun with that. Remember that game. Also, tomorrow, I'm doing a mailbag episode. If you haven't already done so, I've announced so on my Twitter account. So again, go to my Twitter account, at Carter Critiques. Follow me so you can get all the updates there. But if you leave a leave a question on a post that I've made on Twitter or in the Facebook group, at you know, go go to Locked On Steelers in Facebook, ask to join the group. You can uh, look at the look at the post that I made there. Leave a comment there. You do either of those things on that Twitter post or that Facebook post. Just ask a question to me. I will answer it live on air for tomorrow's show. We already have a lot of questions here, so I might have to split this into two shows. Uh, start you know going into next week or or carry it over. I'm gonna do my best to answer all those questions, but. Having a, we're having a mailbag episode tomorrow, bringing that back. I haven't done that since I, I've been doing this show solo. So that'll be a lot of fun. Thanks to all those for the questions. You guys are a great community. If you get if you want to join the community, just go to Facebook, search Locked On Steelers, and ask to join the group. Um, again, I'm going to point this out here. We're doing really well here. I'm in the Pittsburgh Media March Madness bracket where I was a 16 seed. I was I was underseeded. I was disrespected by the selection kid, committee. I'm talking to you, Joey Bag of Donuts. Um, and but I, I, I you know thanks to you guys, we pulled off the upset. We, we beat Colby Armstrong. Now I'm up against an eight seed, Jim Colony. We're dominating. We just got to keep the pressure on. Can't allow no comebacks. We're not going to be the Falcons here. No 28-3 comebacks. Um, we're getting ready for next week. We have about like four more days, I believe, of voting. So get to that when you can. Um, but yeah, thanks again for all those who listen. If you like the podcast, please go to uh, Apple Apple Podcast. Leave a five-star review as well as a positive comment. Those things really help me get the word out for the show. Thanks again for listening. I'll be back in your ear tomorrow with a fun Mailbag Friday.